Welcome to the How to Start a Career course from Plato University, where you're going to learn the secret job search strategies of top candidates to find meaningful work, build your network, and have long-lasting career success. If you want to learn how to land your dream job in any type of market, join us at plato.university for exclusive content and actionable exercises with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. Welcome back. Yesterday, we went through the reality of the situation that you're probably in right now. We talked about why job search skills mattered so much. We also discussed how you could get a job very quickly. But if you're continuing to listen to this course, then you're probably going to have to take the longer route, as most people do. So today, I want to cover what employers want most and how they go about looking for it in the job application process. Because what you're going to find out today is the approach that you're taking is completely different from the approach that the employer is taking. And this is one of the reasons why the job application process sucks so much. But if we can gain a better understanding, you can actually set yourself apart from all the other applicants and go through this process with much better ease. So let's first discuss what employers actually care about. When they are going to hire you as an employee, what are they actually looking for? Well, let's understand how businesses work. A business exists to make money for its owners as quickly, efficiently, and reliably as possible. The way they make money is by selling a product or service, and they prosper by becoming better and more efficient at selling that product or service. When a company saves time, it saves money, and then has more time to make more money. And this is essentially what productivity is. Now, if a company can make money without employees, it would do so because that means more money for the owners. Unfortunately, a company requires a complex machinery to deliver those products and services that bring in revenue. You can think of any and every job as a small but important cog in this complex money-making machine. And every cog has to be oiled and maintained, which is going to cost money. So if the company can redesign its machinery to do without that cog, maybe through the process of automation, or find a cheaper cog, maybe outsourcing a job to another country, it's going to do so in order to make more money. So now we come to two reasons that jobs exist. First, every job is a small but important cog in the corporation's complex money-making machine. It exists to help the company make money. Second, the company hasn't been able to automate that job out of existence or outsource it yet because in your area of technical expertise, problems arise. And this becomes the opportunity for you, the employee. See, the company is going to hire someone that has the technical skills to solve the problems that typically occur within an area of specific expertise. The company hopes to hire someone who knows the territory well enough to predict and prevent many of the problems from arising in the first place. So it doesn't matter what your job title is, you're always hired to be a problem solver in a specific area of expertise. At the heart of any job, you have to anticipate identify, prevent, and solve problems that are occurring. This is going to enable the company to make money for its owners as quickly, efficiently, and reliably as possible. So put very simply, what an employer actually cares about is you have skills that can solve their problems. This is what they're hiring you to do. All the problems that they're not able to solve on their own, either through automation or outsourcing, they're hiring you to solve. And you have specific skills that you can use to actually solve their problems. 
Now, what are those skills that are going to help you to solve problems that the employer is actually looking for? We're going to dive further into this in lessons down the road, but in a broad sense, you have technical skills and you have transferable skills. Your technical skills are going to be the how-to of many things. For example, if you're a programmer, it's you actually knowing how to code. It's a technical skill. It's those skills needed for a task and the know-how to use them productively and efficiently. Now, transferable skills are skills that underlie your ability to execute the technical skills of your job effectively. They're the skills that are going to help you solve problems and solve problems well. These skills include critical thinking, creative thinking, communication, collaboration, and character building. All skills that we focus heavily on at Plato University because we know they underlie all other skills and your ability to actually solve problems, what the employer is actually looking for. Again, we'll dive further into these skills in a later lesson. But now that you know how a business works and the need that the employer actually has, your job is to bridge your skills and abilities with the needs that they have. So what problems are they trying to solve in their business? And how does the skills that you have get put into use for solving those problems? That's essentially what you're trying to persuade them of during the entire job application process. But the approach that you're taking is probably wrong. And here's why. See, as a job hunter, you're approaching the search for a job in a completely different way than the employer is going about looking for an employee. We often follow the rules and write out resumes, create cover letters, maybe go through an employment agency and respond to online job postings and websites. But employers don't always reach for resumes first. They prefer to hire people they know or have a strong connection to. So when an opportunity opens up, they are more likely to look within their own company or seek a recommendation from someone within their company. An unsolicited resume from a stranger isn't going to be as appealing. In fact, let's go through the typical hierarchy of how an employer looks for an employee and how you're approaching this process as a job hunter. Starting at the top, the typical way an employer prefers to fill a vacancy in their company is by first looking with inside their own company, often giving someone a promotion that's either a full-time employee or promoting a part-time employee that they've had working with them. They might even hire a consultant that's been doing work with them for a few months. So a quick tip for you is see if you can get hired as a temp, a contract worker or a consultant to an organization you may want to work with because they're more likely to look at you before they ever look at any job applicants. If they can't hire within, they move to number two, which is using some sort of proof that you actually have the skills for that job. This means you as the job hunter are bringing proof of what you can do in terms of the skills needed. So if you're a programmer, you bring a program of something that you've actually coded. If you're a photographer, you bring some of your photos in a portfolio. Now, if they're not able to hire within and they can't get any proof that these people know their skills, then they might hire on a recommendation from a friend or business colleague because maybe that referral has actually seen your work or worked with you before. So for you, the job hunter, this means you need to find people that are connected to the person who actually has the power to hire you at that organization, who also knows the work that you've done in the past and could introduce you to that organization. If they're not able to fill the vacancy using any of those methods, then they'll probably move on to some sort of hiring agency. This may be a recruiter or a search firm the employer has hired or a private employment agency, both of which have checked you out on behalf of the employer. If they can't fill their vacancy using those methods, then they move on to an online ad 
that they'll place on a job board or their own website. And lastly, they'll look at unsolicited resumes that they get in their email. So their rank of choice is one, hiring from within, two, using some sort of proof that you have the skills, three, from a referral within their network, four, using an employment agency, five, through online applications, and six, through a resume that you may have emailed them. Now think about you going through the job application process. What do you typically do first? Well, you might send in some resumes to certain companies. You're probably going to go fill out some online applications. You may contact some headhunters and say, hey, this is the type of job I'm looking for. And that's usually what's taking up most of your time in the job application process. But as you can see, those methods are the last ways employers want to hire somebody. What you would be better off doing is networking with people that could give you a referral, building up proof that you actually have the skills and showing that to potential employers, and better yet, working in some temporary way with the employer that you want to work with in the long run so that they hire with, from within. Now in this course, we're going to try and cover all of these in order to give you the best probability. But we're going to focus more on helping you to get proof that you can actually get hired and building your network so that you can get referrals. But of course, we're going to cover how to get your resume in tip top shape and go through and apply to specific online ads that are most in line with the jobs that you want to do and the skills that you have in order to make this process very efficient for you. Because I know in the job search process, time is a high value for you. In fact, this is the reason that your strategy differs from the employer's strategy. See, during the job search process, the employer's main concern is risk. You as the job hunter, your main concern is time. Let me explain. As a job hunter, we want strategies that will enable us to cover as much of the job market as possible in the least amount of time. So our value is time. And oftentimes, our chosen vehicle is the resume, as we spoke about before. We want to write it, or have it written for us, then be able to spread it across the vast landscape with just the click of a mouse. The employer's chief concern, on the other hand, is risk. The employer wants to hire the person who is the lowest possible risk. The risk that this hire won't work out. And hiring the wrong worker can be costly to an organization. In fact, in Daniel Batiro's book, Mastering College to Career, he discusses a story about the Pepsi company's hiring process and a hiring manager that told him it costs them $150,000 to hire someone who doesn't stay for at least two years. See, you can't just calculate the employee's salary, which is an obvious cost, but you also have to add the cost of their benefits, training and development programs, their trainer's salary, their boss's salary, and anyone else's salary who spent time working with the employee. Of course, this cost doesn't even include the opportunity cost of having someone else already trained to do that role. And the cost isn't only financial. A bad hire can hurt employees' morale, threaten teamwork and productivity, and even damage an organization's reputation. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't make a $150,000 decision based on one piece of paper that says that you have the skills. Now, knowing the two values between the employer and the job hunter, it's easy to see why the application process of the recruiting funnel, as it's called, is so long. Oftentimes, you're going to go through an initial application, then do a short phone screen, maybe even have a follow-up task, have one or two or several interviews going up in complexity, having reference checks, and then finally, if you've made it through all that, getting an offer letter and going through any process of negotiation there. 
The reason that there's so many steps is because they're trying to mitigate that risk at every step. Knowing this, how should we actually approach getting a job then? In this course, we're going to focus on matching you with job opportunities that are deeply meaningful to you and you actually have the skills that you can prove to employers that you have in order to get the job. Now, this approach isn't going to be as popular as, say, relying on the internet because it requires a lot more time of you and a lot more work. But we're not trying to get any job here. We're aiming for a dream career, something that you can use to help fulfill your purpose, a mission in life. But if the other ways to getting a job don't turn up any careers that look interesting to you, you may end up being very grateful that this process exists. So what exactly are we going to do? Before we ever start looking for a job, we're going to begin with a self-inventory. We're going to understand what skills, traits, and knowledge fields that you possess. And we're also going to understand your interests, how those can be turned into passions, and the way that you can ultimately turn those into purpose for your life. We're also going to understand your core values and your career drivers so that you can take all of this and start to build a, a vision for a career and life that you want. This is going to help us understand what jobs to actually go after and identify so that we can start getting into the nitty gritty of what needs they have. And this is where we're going to bridge the gap by understanding your most valuable contribution to those employers based on that self inventory that we just took. From there, we're going to create a career plan and you're going to learn how to investigate key uncertainties by researching the needs of businesses and understanding if you actually have the skills to solve their problems. You'll also learn how to go through a ladder of tests to actually try out these job opportunities before you make a full commitment. Because nobody wants to go through all this time and effort to get a job that they end up hating later. Once we've created our career plan, we're going to move to creating our personal brand and positioning assets. And yes, this is going to include your resume, but more importantly, it's going to help you position yourself to stand out from everybody else and talk about what your most valuable contribution to employers is. It's going to move you into the 21st century with online profiles, including LinkedIn, and why that's used much more than a resume is, and also give you the most important piece of evidence for showing that you actually have skills, which is a portfolio of projects that you've done, demonstrating that you can apply the skills and solve the problems that these employers have. Once we have these materials ready, we're going to move into the job application process. Now, we're going to cover all the steps that we just talked about in the recruiting funnel, of going from application to phone interview to larger interviews, going through negotiation once you get the job offer, and finally accepting it. However, before we do those, we're going to try and skip this application process entirely, or at least skip the part of applying to some online ad or something like that. And the way we're going to do this is through networking. Now, some of you may have just cringed and gone, oh, God, I hate networking. Trust me, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I don't like networking that much either. But the ways I'm going to teach you in this course are going to be efficient and effective and being done in ways that can be a small daily habit that you do for 10 or 15 minutes every day that's going to have tremendous effects on your long-term career capital. And every time that I have you reaching out to somebody, I'm going to include a template for you to make it much easier. But be fair warned, every single lesson in this course Part of the ending activity is going to have you reaching out to somebody because I want you to get in the habit of it. Again, I know it's scary. It's probably not something that sounds exciting to you. But once you start seeing the results from building a network, I promise it's going to be something that you're going to want to keep up. And it's something that I still do as an introvert. 
And finally, we'll finish off this course talking about long-term career management. Because what's the reality of the situation? We talked about this in the last lesson. You're probably not going to have one job forever. Whether you decide to change a job or life makes you change a job, you're going to have to go through this process again. But if you can keep up the habits that we teach in this course and the things that we'll discuss in long-term career management, a job search process that maybe took six months could be done in six days, and you'll never have to worry about finding a job again. So for today's activity, the first thing I want you to do is download the course roadmap. This will give you an idea of all the lessons and the process that we're going to go through. That's available for download on the Plato University platform. If you're not already a member, it's free to join. Just follow the link inside the description. The second thing I want you to do today is to start networking. So quickly, I'm going to teach you a technique called the Connect Four, which I learned from Jordan Harbinger in his six and his six-minute networking course. Now, this process that I'm going to teach you can be done using text messages on your phone, can be done using email, can be done using Messenger or any other text app that you're connecting with people. Basically, what you do is grab your phone or any of the other devices and messaging locations I just spoke about and scroll to the bottom. These are the people you haven't talked to in months or even years. Take five minutes and reach out to four of them by text every single morning. Again, you can do this in email. Reach out to four people using email that you haven't spoken to in a long time. And here's a script that you can use to get started. Hey name, haven't spoken to you in ages. I hope this finds you well. What's the latest with you? No rush to reply if you're busy, but I'd love to hear what you're up to when you, when you get a chance. And then make sure you include your name, just in case they don't have your number in their phone or your email. Now this is a daily habit that you can do every day. You could even schedule a 15 minute appointment in your calendar to do this every morning. Now depending on how busy you are and how much you like engaging with people, four people could actually be overwhelming. I do this technique, but I only do it with one person and I do it through email. So every day I'll send out one email using this exact script to connect with somebody. And the reason that we're doing this is to find out what kind of stuff that they're working on, i.e. what kind of problems that they're having, and seeing if we can contribute in any way. And then the more contributions that we do, the more likely they're going to want to help us out in the future. However, during that conversation, we ask them, you know, what, what are you up to? they're most likely going to ask you the same question. They want to hear about what you're up to. And in this case, you're looking for a job. And they may just happen to know somebody that is looking to hire somebody like you. So practice this exercise today and reach out to four people that you haven't talked to in a long time. Thank you for taking the How to Start a Career course. To get everything you need for your job search, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners, then visit plato.university slash courses slash career and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash career. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at plato.university.